we are back, guys. And man, do we have a lot to catch up on here. We start the episode off by talking about probably the only thing that a lot of people are tuning in to hear. The announcement from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in which they postponed their seasons for 2020. And then we're going to move on to discuss a topic that stems from that. And that is if the 2020 national championship is going to be diminished due to so many teams not playing this year. We're then going to move on. This this segment might be jinxed, but we're going to try and break down the 2020 Big 12 schedule that they just released. And of course, we're going to wrap it up with another recruiting update. And we stay in the SEC today, and we're going to analyze the South Carolina Gamecocks recruiting class so far. We have a full, opinionated, hot takes fill show, guys. So let's kick it off. We knew it was coming, especially after, you know, Maction was announced that it was going to be postponed or canceled. But the Big Ten and Pac-12 announced they are postponing their 2020 football season until hopefully the spring of 2021, which has, I think, brought college football into absolute chaos, just like the rest of the world. It was only a matter of time. But the Big Ten and Pac-12 cited their medical advisors and a recent spike in COVID cases as some of the reasons for this announcement. Um, The biggest dominoes seem to be the new heart condition that is linked to COVID, and the Big Ten has already had five players test positive for this. The NCAA has already announced eligibility and scholarships will be protected from these players. They'll get an extra year of eligibility, and... I think this, you know, the situation has been complicated and really divided college football analysts, experts, players, coaches, everybody in the college football world. And as of today, just an update, the SEC, Big 12 and ACC are sticking together. They're going to play football this fall as of right now. But Brandon, I'll shift to you. Thoughts on this announcement? And do you think this is the correct decision? I have to say it's a pretty bold move by the Big 12 to stick in this one. Um, I understand Oklahoma gets into the playoff every season, but they just can't make it to the national championship game. And so uh, it, it's it's bold. Maybe maybe the uh, Longhorns are back for this year. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It, it's starting to look more and more. And I know you don't want to you don't want me to say this, Zach. It's starting to look more and more like there's not going to be college football this season. Um, I understand I, that the SEC. I don't know, man. The Big 12 and the ACC are like, you know what, we're still playing. But, I mean, think about it. You know, your second question – I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll, we'll take that on next segment. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't feel right going on without – you know, right now what's looking like it's going to be half of college football sitting out. You know, I, I, think, I, think, the, I think the conferences and the schools that are, that are sitting out are – kind of making a stand and it's kind of hard to fight against that, especially when there's, you know, health experts that are like, Hey, don't do it. And I get, I understand your argument and I agree with your argument a hundred percent when you say, well, these players are probably safer at the schools under the supervision that they get with the medical attention that they get. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's a smart idea for these players to stay at school for these players um, to not risk it going out into like the real world, you know, to stay quarantined basically with their teammates. I think that's a good move, but um, I don't know. It, this season is definitely going to be an interesting one if it happens in the fall. Um, and even if it doesn't happen in the fall, we still get spring football is what it's starting to look like. So as long as I get football at some point, I'll be, I'll be okay. I think. Uh, you know, I love how you said, like, you understand my argument. I I just gave the intro to the segment. I didn't even say anything yet. But, like, no, you I know. I can read mine. I can read mine. I, 
I feel like you and any of our consistent, dedicated listeners knows exactly where I'm going to go with this. Right. I think they know what side I'm on, especially if you follow me on Twitter. Like, I'm pretty vocal about it. But Or, or if you just follow our Twitter account, which is just that's Zach's true. second Twitter account. Because that, that's true. That's very true. Uh, yeah, you know, Beto, you got to step up on your Twitter game um, for the Blue Bloods here. Well, You've been slacking. I, I lost the log out, and so... Oh, excuses <laughs> on air, live on air. Beto coming with the excuses. You'll follow that Beto from the hub for, for real sports <laughs> things. Oh, man. But, Brandon, I'm, I'm going to start with this. I, I think this is a, something that everyone can agree on it, outside of the Big Ten and Pac-12. I don't feel like this, like they disguised it as this, but do you really think the Big Ten and Pac-12 did this to, quote, unquote, protect the players? Um. A hundred percent. I mean, what what else would it be? Um. Well, I, you don't think the We Are United movement, the lack of waivers to um, free the universities of any long term responsibility, that you you don't think that played any part? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, because I, I I don't. So uh, before you get on my case, I like I'm gonna make a a very probably controversial statement here. I'm gonna back it up with a little bit of facts. I don't think it was for the players' protection. I just think the schools didn't want to take the proper steps to protect their players appropriately. You so you think this was out of laziness that they're like, you know what? Uh, a, a thousand, a thousand percent, Brandon. When did coronavirus break out? March, late February? Is that's okay? It's been around for a while, but that's when it really hit. That the, about the time the NBA shut down is when everything just went haywire with this virus. You're telling me. You've had over half a year to get protocols together to do the proper research on this virus. And the best you could come up with is like, hey, we had all this time. We're going to test them once or twice a week, but like we're just going to cancel the season. That That's the best you got for me. You, you, and then like they're going to say, well, there's still a lot unknown. Well, yeah, there's a lot unknown, but like you haven't done anything to give me any hope that you're going to have any control of this anytime soon. And that's, that's just those conferences. I mean, now the facts I wanted to bring is they cited that heart condition. And uh, I'm not good at saying these medical terms, as we all know, I can barely Zach, say players names. Zach is not a doctor uh, by any yeah, means. Uh, uh, hey, uh, soon to be maybe not like a like a doctor doctor but it would be dr mckinnell eventually yeah, but it's a, it's a phd um, that's, that's it's a, yeah. <laughs> but it's um it's myocard um car something and Uh-oh. yeah and they cited that heart condition as their main reason to cancel right brandon especially the pac-12 the pac-12 hammered in that heart condition right um and said that they weren't testing for it like how do they know the effects how do they know if the kids are going to have it did you know the sec already had a protocol in place where Auburn, Bama, LSU were already testing cardiac conditions for players since the start of this uh, quarantine? Uh, no, I didn't. If a player tested positive before they were able to return, the SEC schools would give them an EKG, blood test, all this stuff to make sure everything was okay in that area. Uh, good on them. Um, that's so, okay. I did not know that. And, Yeah, and so then the Big 12 released their new protocols today. Players are going to receive EKGs, um, troparin blood tests, an echocardiogram, and a cardiac MRI after exposure, or if they have it, just to check for all this stuff. And I believe all the players are going to get it first off just to make sure there's no one who might have this already because you can get it from other viruses and stuff like that. So. You're telling me these two conferences already had this in place or are getting this in place now, and the Big Ten and Pac-12 couldn't get that together? I mean, they probably could have, but Zach, do you really think this this will prevent it like 100%? Well, I, you, you can't – there's no nothing in the world that's going to pre- prevent it 100% of the time. No, and I think that's why they're being extra cautious, and they're saying, yeah, no, you know what? But- I, I, I just that. don't think I don't think it's laziness. I think they're taking precautions to protect the players. I mean, come on, we're not paying the players. We can at least look out for their health while well, they're playing. Uh, but like, yeah, okay, we're not paying the players a salary, but they're getting better medical care than anywhere else in the country. Uh, I mean, fair. Out, 
outside of maybe government officials and like CEOs, is anyone else in the country getting tested more often or with or have more access to medical care than these athletes? Maybe. I mean, I don't think the NBA is doing EKGs and stuff for players. Uh, yeah, that's and a lot. And some of these players come from families that don't have health insurance. And right. so um, the Pac-12 canceled their season. Well, Stanford came out today. They're just they're sending everyone home for the fall semester. Yeah, I mean, pre- precautions. Yeah, and you're telling me that these uh, the the regular students a whole different case. We're not a I don't even know what kind of podcast would talk about just normal college life, but you're just telling college me college podcast. Yeah, are you telling me those Stanford athletes are getting better better medical care just being sent home? No, no, you're right. And if you're sending all the students home, is there a better bubble than an empty college campus? No. Well, good point. That might be better than where the NBA bubble is. I don't know. Disney World, that's pretty sick. Yeah, I don't know if they're – are they allowed to go to like the – are the parks open at Disney World? They are open at Disney World, actually. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just just (laughs) saying. I'll just say. I just wanted to ask that, but – Okay, my question is this, Brandon. Uh, if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 could do this, complete their season successfully, right? They get all the way to the end. They have a they they get all the way to the end of the season. Everything's okay. Isn't that an absolute indictment on the Big Ten and Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, if if they can get to the end of the season and then we walk and then we go down the road, you know. 30, 20, 30, 40 years, and we see that these players don't have any heart conditions from this, then yeah, sure. Well, okay. That's a broad thing. I mean, you can get heart, heart conditions from a lot of stuff, but they're taking the precautions. I mean, can't, what do, I, the thing I don't get is everyone's like, well, you have to do this, this, and this. I mean, it's like, what else do you want them to do? They got They have them in a bubble. They're testing for literally everything. They give them... The SEC is the SEC and Big Twelve are testing players three times a week now. Right. I, can you be any safer? Do you want to test every three hours? Uh, I think MLB is. So I mean, we could, I guess. I mean, and listen, as a player, as a fan, as a recruit, you have to look if this is pulled off. What would and, and that's why I'm saying like what was the real reason you postponed? Because I'm not saying that the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve won't postpone, but what what I find weird is the timing of their announcement. Well, okay, that that's a good point actually. Because why do it now and why not do it like in the middle of the main spike of coronavirus? Right. Right, and I mean. Right now, nothing has really changed about coronavirus. And they, Brandon, they released their schedule last week. What changed in four days to go from "Hey, we're going to release, we're going to put all this work into a schedule" to "We're just going to not play football"? I'll tell you what it was. They they decided they wanted to break Brandon and Zach's little hearts. Is what happened. Oh, I, I could care. I could care less about the Big Ten and Pac-12. Give me um, SEC football. Give me SEC football. Coming from a well, I don't gamble, but I understand gamblers. Uh, we th- uh, they care. Well, yeah, I mean, so the thing that gets me is, I, I think this is going to really, really hurt the Big Ten and Pac twelve. I mean, especially in terms of recruiting. Right. How in the world do you recruit players now? When the SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, or not Pac-12, ACC are saying, hey, these conferences, instead of taking all the precautions and taking the steps and fighting for your right to play, they just canceled on you. We did this, 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 and this for our players, and that's why we're a better option for your kid than Ohio State is. Well, because I think on the flip side, you could say, hey, by canceling, that was the biggest precaution you could take. Well, uh the parents are coming out, Brandon. There's a there's um a whole movement right now going on where Big Ten parents are telling the Big Ten that they're doing their kids wrong and that they want their kids to be able to play. No, I mean I understand. I you know I'm playing devil's advocate here because I, I mean there are people who have the perspective that hey 
the best thing you could possibly do right now is send these kids home. Oh, man. You know, I mean, I mean, okay, I'm, so yeah. I've made I, it I have clear to ask that, that, like, I think these players are safer on campus being yeah. quarantined with their team. But right. I mean, you have to you have to understand both perspectives. Oh no, I I get it to a point. It's just like the why now is really just bothering me. And right. uh, if 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 this season goes on without a hitch, there will be positive tests, guys. Don't get me wrong. There will be players test positive, but if it's handled appropriately, protocols are followed, all this, could Larry Scott and Kevin Warren really be looking at their job security? Yeah, I if, mean, if the Big Ten, if Ohio State walks up and says, "Hey, did you just see how?" these three conferences went through played and you just cost us a chance at the national championship. Right. Th- then what? And for me, Brandon, 2021 is going to be a key. So this is what's bothering me. If three power five conferences play this fall, have a proper build up for the, for the next season and all that, won't these two offices be at a huge disadvantage? They're going to be a disadvantage in recruiting, conditioning, scheduling, scholarship limits because all these players get more eligibility, but their 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 fall their spring camps are pushed back till August. But that's when these SEC, ACC, Big Twelve programs are going to be ready to play. That's true. That's a huge, huge disadvantage, right? I mean, and another thing. Uh, I know the worry is right now that NFL prospects are already not going to play in the spring because of the NFL draft because I don't see that being moved. But the college football playoff, this goes into our next segment, is saying they're going to announce a national champion for this fall. Is anyone going to want to play in the spring for nothing? Well, you'd have to assume there would probably be because – and I guess we're kind of transitioning to the next segment uh, in a way – You'd have to think that there would be two national champions, right? Well, are you are you taking the national championship from just the Big Ten and Pac-12, or are you going to crown the real national championship champion who played ACC, Big Twelve, SEC, and the best group of five, the AAC? Which uh, holds more weight? I, I mean, I understand that the, the team or the conferences that are still you know set on playing in the fall or is obviously the better choice there. But there's going to be an asterisk next to both of them. Well, well, I, I think um, you're going to have a UCF thing because we know who the real best team in college football is going to be, and it's going to be whoever wins the fall championship. Yeah, but, but before, I, I just, I don't know, man. So ahead. right before, right before we move on, we're going to talk about that in a second. But do you think players should transfer? Y- yeah, yes, <laughs> for my enjoyment, absolutely. Trans, I, I just, All I them. think trans. If if the NCAA announces you could transfer freely this year, all hell is going to break loose. The transfer portal might crash. I want Justin Fields back to Georgia. That's what I'm saying. That would be you would have JT Daniels, Jamie Newman, Justin Fields all competing <laughs> for a starting job. Right. What all of the, the you got two five stars and a four star. I mean that would be amazing. And you're saying, well, where would they transfer? Like how many? teams need a quarterback or this or that i think a lot of teams would take justin fields over their starting quarterback right Uh, outside of who trevor lawrence at clipson i think that i think that pro football uh pro football talk the other day on twitter uh tweeted out a picture of justin fields in an lsu jersey and lsu fans were like no we're with miles look i love miles brennan everyone knows i love miles brennan before the start of last season i was like let's give miles brennan a shot instead of this joe burrow kid um, I take Justin Fields over Miles Brennan. I don't know. I don't who know. Would it? Like, uh, who go, would it? Seriously, go look at that tweet. I'm going to send it to you right now because every single LSU fan in the in their mentions would not take him. That's outrageous. I mean, and I, I the thing that I I thought like kind of like was sobering for me was when Joe Burrow was like, I'd be looking for a job if they would have canceled the season last year. Right. And, and if I'm a player, I mean, who is a potential breakout player from the pac 12 or um, like big 10 that like maybe can make that jump. I mean, you you could have someone like um, what's his name? Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. He right. he was a dark horse hospital candidate. If he goes to a a, a different school like Miami, well, I guess Miami has a better quarterback now. Like Florida State, that could be a dream come true there, and he could explode and make Florida State a better team. I mean, 
there's so many players in those two conferences. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, Javon Holland. We've talked about both of them. Don't you want to see them play this year? And how amazing would that be if, let's say, Javon Holland picked LSU? You have Derek Stingley and Javon Holland now on that back end? Let's do it. I'm all in. Or or even Keaton Slovis. Get Keaton to the oh, SEC. Oh, let's do that. I don't I want him to go play for like Vanderbilt because they instantly better. <laughs> no, please, please don't do that. Um <laughs> but you know, for me, Brandon, to wrap this segment up, I just thought they made a premature mis- decision. And until these other three conferences hit a wall or cancel or something crazy happens. I think this decision is going to work, look worse and worse each day. I mean, that they keep citing reasons for their postponement, and this is what makes me mad. They keep citing all these reasons, and these other three conferences are coming back for for buttles where they're handling it. They have better testing protocols. They have uh, they have um, enough tests for. However, because uh, Jeff Brown Purdue came out and said, "Well, I don't think we had enough tests." Nick Saban came out and said, "We have enough tests to test every single one of our players for every day for the end of time." That's crazy. And in the heart condition thing, they they've been testing for it. I mean, the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve are might be canceled. It, it's still a possibility. But the fact that they're fighting this and not trying to be first or not trying to virtue signal with this whole decision, I think that's what is the difference. And I'm really, really hoping these three uh, conferences stick together here. Yeah, honestly, I do too. Um, Now, the Pac-12, I could see them wanting to do this as like a, hey, let's quit talking about the players' rights thing for a little while, but. Big well, the big the Big Ten had their own "We Are United" movement. It well, didn't get as much uh, stuff that they canceled the season like right when that came out. They said, "They said you want to be treated, you want to be treated like a person." Nah, I'm playing now. But- <laughs> we out, we out. <laughs> <laughs> but oh man, so we're gonna go ahead and move on here, guys. Um, you know, and as we talked about those conferences postponed, we kind of highlighted the segment a little bit earlier. But you know, some experts have suggested that. This next year's college football national championship, whoever wins that is going to have a huge asterisk next to their name in the record book due to how many teams are sitting out. Well, leave it to your boy Dabo Sweeney to uh, not echo this sentiment because he knows what he has on that Clipson team. And he said that whoever wins the championship this fall is the true champion and that these teams can't control these other teams and should just control what they can control and go out and win. Um, you have teams such as Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC that all will not play this fall that were expected to have shots at making the playoff. Well, I, I, I don't know about this, Brandon. Would you put an asterisk next to the national champion? And what do you make of Dabo's take here? I think that you have to put an asterisk next to it. Um, if these other team, if these other conferences are, you know, if, if they're opting to play in the spring, you know, if they get that schedule established and they actually play within this calendar year, I think you have to put an asterisk by it. Um, but I mean, if the question came down to, hey, who would who would you if you had to crown a national champion between the teams that are playing in the fall and the ones playing in the spring, who would you choose? Well, I'm choosing the fall all day. Um, you know, I think when it comes down to it, realistically, what will happen is that both, you know, both seasons will probably be played, um, and then there's going to be a champion in each one. Uh, crown both of them. What I would like to see, I would like to see them both play. Uh, I know that won't happen, but it could be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of money to be made. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, there's going to be an asterisk next to both of them at the end of the day. Uh, I think that the fall, you know, obviously the fall team is the more deserving of the two, though. Ah, I could not disagree with you more, my my guy. Um, so, so you think? Okay, well, I, hang on, okay. hang on. I got you. I don't. I do not think the champions should have an asterisk by it. And if they do, it should be due to the increased difficulty of winning this year's national championship. See, you be so. No, so no, 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 doing, no, no, no. Zach took an argument from the NBA season this year because they had a shortened season, and he's just he's going to reflect it here. <laughs> Listen, ridiculous. there's going to be some teams missing, right? Okay. And on average, Brandon, did everyone's schedule get easier or more difficult? Uh, probably more difficult, yeah. 
Yeah, because guess what? There ain't no more D2 teams, D3 teams, horrible D1, non-group of five teams on their schedule. They're replaced by conference teams that can compete. And they're going to offer more threats than a scheduled opponent. Um, You know, and the increased difficulty comes from, yes, the uncertainty of COVID, but you had no spring practice. You had almost no summer practice. You're going to have players missing games for COVID. You're going to have no fans. And there's a whole other, a lot of logistical seasonal issues that you usually don't have to deal with. And, and teams are dealing with opt-outs. Almost every team in the country is probably going to have at least one player opt out. Right. And that's a huge thing. And listen, I don't want to be this guy, but Brandon, we're going to play a little game here. Okay. Okay. Can you name the last Big Ten or Pac-12 team to win a college football playoff game? Come again? Can you name the last Big Ten or Pac-12 team to win a college football playoff game? Ooh, that's going to be tough. Um, Ohio, well, yeah, probably Ohio State, right? Yep, when they won the national title all the way back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Um, they should have the won this past year, by the way. They I weren't going to beat LSU. Up. They weren't going to beat LSU in the Natty, though. No, I don't think they would have, but I think they would have. I think they should have won the semifinal. Uh, I mean, that, probably, that yeah. Was, if it was ruled, I'll give you that. Like it should have been. <laughs> I'll give you I'm, that, but I'm not bitter. I didn't lose any money on it. And the funny part is that's one that that also was against a Pac-12 team in Oregon that Ohio State beat for the national title that year with Marcus Mariota. Okay. But I just want to highlight. Okay, these are going to be some lowlights for you, Brandon. And yeah. so the year after this, they uh, Michigan State made the playoffs for the Big Ten. No Pac-12 team made it. They lost to Bama 38 to nothing. Yikes. Um, the next year, oh, we had a Pac-12 and Big, and Big Ten team. Washington lost to Bama 24 to 7. Ohio State lost to Clemson 31 to nothing. Uh-oh, that's not good. 2018 and 19, neither conference had a team make the playoffs either year. and last year you already highlighted Ohio State loses to Clemson in the semifinal game regardless of whether it should or should not have happened they lost that game Um, and Brad I want to ask you something outside of Ohio State and Oregon which team uh, lost their chance at the college football playoff this year maybe Penn State Uh, without Micah Parsons well no I mean if Micah Parsons would have played you know, without COVID, he probably would have played. Yeah, no, without COVID. But I'm just talking about if they go on COVID with the opt-outs and everything like that, Penn State might have lost three games without Micah Parsons. No, that's true. To be honest. Um, but, uh, no one. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe USC if Keaton Slovis doesn't get sacked 100 times because no one on their O-line is very good. And if he can find another receiver besides Michael Pittman. Yeah, right. And if they could find a run game that didn't average two yards per carry yeah, <laughs> the entire all, year, if all of those things happen, then yeah. Um, but you know, let's let's be honest here. I mean, two true contenders are missing. But Brandon, did either of these teams play any significant out of conference games this year? That's really uh, going to change the college football playoff. Not no, I don't think so. Yeah, you want to know the game that got canceled? Ohio State, Oregon, between the two contenders of both these conferences, that's the only game that really mattered that got canceled. Yeah. Okay. I see what, what, what was USC going to go to Texas and beat Alabama? No, I would like to think so, but probably not. Probably not, right? So, okay. So that one, you might have an argument. Michigan, Washington, they're both in those conferences. Doesn't matter. But is anyone from the Big Twelve, ACC, or um, SEC? really missing a key out-of-conference opponent because of these two conferences canceling? No, I don't think so. So so you're saying the only way these conferences could have affected the college football playoff race is if they made the college football playoff, and we've seen them consistently not do it because they haven't made it two out of the last three years, and when they make it, they have a history of getting murdered in the first round. Uh, Fair, yeah. So – and I gotta ask you. So you said we're putting an asterisk, right? So we, we've already said those conferences usually don't play a big factor down the down the road. Are we gonna discount a Clemson team if they win the national title with wins over Notre Dame, Miami, UNC, the SEC conference champion, and the Big Twelve conference champion? No, I don't think you can. 
Um, are you going to discount Alabama with wins over Auburn, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Clemson, and maybe Oklahoma? No. Not even in the slightest. I mean, are, that's absolutely ignorant to say you're going to put an asterisk a, 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 a next to any team that wins this. I mean, uh, the conferences who have dominated the past few years are going to be represented. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas, maybe Florida, we're all going to be probably top 10 teams anyway. And they're still involved. So out of the top 10 after opt-outs, Ohio State's the only team missing. Right. Ohio State and Oregon. And everyone else was was like, oh, they maybe could make a run. But let's be honest here. I mean – Okay, uh, this is gonna uh, this is gonna piss some people off. I know it is, but I, I've I've been holding this in, Brandon. Like this is those type of things that make you mad. You're just like reciting them in the mirror. And you're like, I'm gonna get you one day. Like, I love watching morning sports shows on Fox Sports. I love Undisputed. Uh, I love the herd, all that stuff. I like listen to it while oh, I'm at work. Gross. But th- since they we have don't... contracts with with the Big Ten. They piss me off so much because the only reason this narrative is out here, Brandon, is because Ohio State's not playing. If Ohio State played in the ACC and then the Big Ten and Pac-12 opted out, I bet money not a single soul would say a damn thing about there being an asterisk. Okay, so two things right here. Uh, we don't mention Colin Coward's name on this podcast. Never again. That's your first <laughs> strike. <laughs> your second strike. Um I lost it. I got I got so I got so caught up with the Colin Coward hatred. Uh, but but you, you're warned, Zach. Listen, Brandon, can we agree that some of the media, especially from the Midwest, out west, or I would say is anti SEC football, or or let me say this, anti Southern football with Clemson included in that. Well, yeah, probably. You always hate you hate the winners. Everyone who's not a winner yeah. hates the winners. Right and. The reason they're out here discrediting this, saying there's going to be an asterisk, is because have you seen the map of states with programs playing this year, Brandon? Yeah, it's mostly just like the southeast and like east coast. It's like it's like Texas and then just like the Mason-Dixon line. You just draw it across. <laughs> Those schools are playing. And there's a few up in like the northeast, like because you have schools that like Syracuse that are in the ACC that are playing. But – it's mostly Southern schools and what they're worried about. I think this is all just me ranting here. I think this furthers the narrative that Southern football is just better than other, other places. They dedicate more resources. They're, they're willing to do heart tests. They're willing to have unlimited tests for their players. They're willing to do whatever it takes to play college football. And I think it just pisses people off. I really do. And it just, it, it makes people mad because they're like, they always push like Ohio State could be any like Brandon. I know I sent you this. The Ohio State would be like a fourteen point favorite over every single SEC team except Alabama. Right. That, that's, that's nuts. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'd make so much money. Well, gamblers would make so much money this upcoming season. <laughs> and Brandon, on this, I'm not going to say which show, but on Fox Sports, I heard this argument. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um. Uh, I, Eve, I heard that the reason college football isn't above other sports like the NFL, NBA, stuff like this, is that this sport is a regional sport. Okay. And it's because they said the SEC dominates and everyone else doesn't have a chance. And it's like, is it the SEC's fault that um, your school's not coming and recruiting the best states? Ah, uh, No. And they and this person argued for decreased scholarship limits because they feel like the SEC is hoarding talent and and the ACC with Clemson, sometimes Florida State, Miami, and I really think they're scared because Brandon, I want to I want give me a percentage. What are the odds the SEC has two teams in the playoffs? Says there's only three Power Five conferences even competing. Oh, that's like it's like eighty percent. Eighty percent. How how confident are you that the two best SEC teams in the playoff can get to the national championship again? Um, seventy five percent, depending on who it is, right, and how the matchups the matchups line up. Right. Um, do you think the media wants the second 
all SEC college football playoff national championship. They got the playoff in the first place to prevent Alabama LSU happening. And then like the third year of the playoff, Alabama and Georgia both make the national championship. Right. No, I mean, right. And I really think if it wasn't for Ohio state and some of the hatred toward Southern college football, this asterisk narrative won't even be out there, but it's just people who are mad that it's it's going to come down to probably to these Southern schools and they're going to claim a national championship. And then they're going to look at all these other schools and say, oh, look at you. You didn't play because you were stupid. And now we're better than you. And we have a national championship. Right. <laughs> and I, stupid. I, I, I really think that's the whole key to this. And so that's my that's my long winded rant about why we should not put an asterisk by this national championship. Well, Zach, I will say thank you for censoring uh, his name on our podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that's really that's really all I have to say. I appreciate it. Fair enough, fair enough. But guys, we're gonna go ahead, move on here. Third segment of the day, and listen, Brandon, I mentioned this earlier. This might be a curse. We cover the Pac-10, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. They both get canceled. Um, There's a reason we and, haven't talked about a certain three-letter conference. Yeah, you know, I told y'all SEC was coming. Yeah, we're going to put oh. the Big 12 first um, just to test out to make sure we're not um, jinxing anything. But uh, we're going to forge on here for the Blue Bloods family here. I know you guys are looking forward to this. We're breaking down the new Big 12 schedule. Again, we're not making official predictions. We're just going to break down the schedule about who has the easiest schedule, hardest, etc. Um, but Brandon, I'm going to start with you. Which team has the easiest schedule according to the newest Big Big Twelve update? Well, okay. So, I, well, I will say this is a little bit different than the last one that we did, and maybe the one before that, because in the Big Twelve, every team plays each other at least once. So yes, it's it, I, this was so hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I agree. It had to come down to home and away games. Um, and so, in my honest opinion, the easiest schedule, and I think it's like by far, is is uh, Oklahoma, right? Because they get the team they lost to last season. They get Kansas State at home to open the season. You move on a little bit down the road. They have to play Texas at the Cotton Bowl. It's still a home game for them. Uh, that that is the one. Uh, what what do you call them? The the one uh, neutral site game that Zach might yeah. actually agree with because this game's kind of like really actually in the middle of these two schools. Um, I understand it's in Texas, but Austin's kind of like South Texas, and then Oklahoma's right near. You know, it's it's not that far from Dallas, so there's that one. Um, so it's not a true disadvantage for Oklahoma in that game. Plus, they're the home team. Uh, they get Oklahoma State in Norman. You know, that's a home game too. And then they get Baylor to end the season at home. It's like any difficult game that they could have had, I guess, besides Iowa State, which you know could be difficult sometimes uh, depending on the season. They got those, all these games at home. So like they really don't have a lot to worry about this season. Plus, they're Oklahoma. So, I, I mean, you know, I think, I think their, biggest, uh, their biggest game is going to be that Oklahoma State game. I think Zach can, I think Zach can uh, reciprocate that. And they get that game at home. You know, I understand there probably there might not be fans there. There might not be a lot of fans there if there are any fans there, but it's still a home game. They still have to walk up the road to the stadium to get to that game. Uh, I, I like that. I like that pick. I didn't go with Oklahoma. I really I, I thought about it. They're probably going to be one of my honorable mentions. So I'm glad you broke that down for me. But I went with Iowa State. Okay. As the easiest schedule, they're, they're going to be a dark horse. We've talked about Brock Purdy on here. I really like their head coach, Matt Campbell. Um, this team's going to be sneaky, but they get big breaks in their schedule and their games are in the perfect location as well. I mean, they get Oklahoma at home week two. That Here's why that's a big break. Oh, oh, Iowa State's returning a lot of pieces. Oklahoma is has a lot of young new pieces. So... Iowa State gets to put Spencer Rattler in a dangerous away environment, and they already have a pretty good, tough, hard-nosed, stingy defense to really test that Oklahoma offense. So we saw them last year almost upset Oklahoma um, on the road late in the season. Um, So I think this is a really good break because they get Oklahoma before they gain confidence and experience, and they get to test that young team 
and that team's first ever road test. So right. that's that's a huge reason why I picked it. And they do go on the road to face Oklahoma State, but they get a bye week right before that game. So that gives them some rest and stuff like that. And then after a tough game against Oklahoma State, they get lowly Kansas, which is not probably going to be very good this year. So it's, it's a perfect – It'll be turning upwards, but it's a good rebound game after playing Oklahoma State. And they get a second bye week after a tough stretch of Kansas State, Texas, and West Virginia, but they get two of those three games at home right. as well. Um, and the thing that really benefits them, Brian, I don't know if you notice this, Iowa State never plays more than three games in a row. Yeah, that's true. So they get to play three games, get a bye week. Three games, get a bye week. And so that helps with injury and fatigue where some other teams have five game stretches they have to play in a row. So I think Iowa State's a real team to watch down the stretch here due to how their schedule sets up for them. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I don't know about you, Brandon. I had Texas Tech as another one of my honorable mentions. Um, One, because they get Texas week one at home and Oklahoma week six at home. And – their four-game stretch includes most of them at home, and they only play one pair of back-to-back road games, and they get a bye week right after that. Yeah, you're right. And I don't, I don't know. I know you probably agree. Texas Tech's probably not going to compete for the Big Twelve, but this schedule's not going to be the reason why. No, I mean it was that was never going to be the deciding factor for for Texas Tech. Yeah, but uh, so Brandon, hardest schedule here. I know that I know there were a few that like it was tough for me. I had two that I really had a tough time picking which one was number one. Right, and so I'm gonna have to go with West Virginia here. Uh, oh, not even one of my two, but go ahead. Well, okay, go ahead. so it, it's not for a conventional reason. It's because they are in West Virginia and they're going to Big Twelve country. This entire schedule, you know, if you look at their schedule. Uh, I know the one the pack or the Big Twelve released at least. Uh, they they uh, signified home games with a gray block and away games with a white block. Well, West Virginia is completely checkered. It's home away, home away, home away. And I guess you know the white are bye weeks. So after every single you know before their bye week and after both of their bye weeks, they have home games, which is nice. But that doesn't change the fact that they're having to travel from West Virginia to Texas or to Oklahoma, you know, once every two or, or one or two weeks, you know, it, 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 that's not easy on these players. And I think that puts them at a real disadvantage. I understand these other schools are traveling as well, but they're not usually having to take a plane to go play the teams that they're going to. Uh, I think another reason I had them here is because they opened the season with Oklahoma state, you know, and you've, and, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, you know that Zach and I are both really high. Zach is extremely high on Oklahoma State for this upcoming season. Um, but they opened the season up with Oklahoma State in Stillwater. So, I don't know. I, I think that's going to kind of set the tone for their season. And I know that West Virginia has kind of been struggling a little bit over the past few seasons. You know, they lost Dana Holgerson to the Houston job. Uh and so now they aren't like, I don't think they're a contender in the Big 12 this season. You know, I think I would I would venture to say that a lot of the time they usually are, but not this season. You know, they do get so, they do get a break on a few of their home games. You know, they get Baylor in West Virginia, they get Oklahoma in West Virginia, but then they have to travel. You know, almost every other week to go play in Texas or go to play in Oklahoma or go to play in Iowa. Right, I, I like that. I mean, because a lot of people forget how like far that how that travel affects. So, I really, really like that pick there. Um, that's something I I really did overlook and didn't even really consider there. So I, I was on conventional pick. You weren't lying, but I like it. I like I like the way you explained that. Um, you know, I went with the Kansas Jayhawks as the hardest schedule. Um, they did my boy Les Miles wrong here. They did. Um, right dirty. They, yeah, they open up with a tough away game against Baylor, and then they have to play Oklahoma State right after. So their two games are against Baylor Oklahoma State to open the season, and they're one of the teams that had a horrible bye week in week three. Right. Well, you don't need a bye week week three. It's useless. <laughs> and then they start a four-game stretch where three of them are on the road, and it includes Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Kansas State. Right. And they have West Virginia, who you just broke down 
you know, could be a sleeper that travels weird. And then they get to end their schedule with three Texas teams, including Texas, who probably will be fighting for a spot in the Big 12 championship. And for me, I don't think Kansas gets very many lucky breaks here. And I think Les Miles could be in for a really, really long season in Lawrence. Yeah, especially after. I mean, not that his last season was super, super impressive, you know, as, as far as uh, his resume goes. You know, he won three games, but he won three games with Kansas. So that's really good for that job. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he wins any more than three games this season, though, just looking at the schedule. Yeah, I agree. And my honorable mention, the Baylor Bears, uh, you know, Poor Dave Aranda, man. He gets one of the few five-game stretches in this conference, and that includes back-to-back games with Texas and Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's tough. And in that five-game stretch, three of them are on the road. That's right. Um, the reason I didn't put them number one, Brandon, they have a they get Kansas and West Virginia in their first two games, so they could have a 2-0 and start. They, then they get that weird week three bye week again. But their last two games are against Kansas State and Oklahoma. That's what they get to end off with. And Kansas State's a rebuilding sleeper team. And Oklahoma will most likely be clinching the Big 12 around then. So I think Baylor's going to have some growing pains. But I think Aranda's going to see how his team matures and how quickly they mature based on this schedule here. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I, I'm interested to see how this works, man. I, I like the conference-only stuff, but I'm real, real interested to see how it works with the Big 12. And they have those built-in bye weeks, so I like that. But we're going to go ahead, guys. We're going to move on here. Last segment of the day, and you already know what's coming up. It's the recruiting segment. Um, check out all our recent episodes to catch updates from all around the country. Find your favorite team. Check it out. We're going to stick in the SEC here. We're going to analyze South Carolina's 2021 class. They're trying to follow up a top 20 class from last season, and head coach Will Muschamp is looking to get himself off the hot seat in up there in South Carolina. I mean, this class is headlined with five top 600 recruits, and the Gamecocks still have over eight spots available in this class. Brandon, your take on this class, and can Muschamp maybe save his job up there? Um. I'm going to go with a strong meh for, for what my thoughts on this class are. And I'm going to go with an even stronger meh for Will Muschamp uh, keep his job out following this season. I don't know, man. You know, looking through their recruits, I didn't see anything that just like stuck out to me. You know, they've got those two four-star recruits, which those are always nice to have. But other than that, I mean, they have 16 commits. And the rest that are not <laughs> four stars, they're all three star. And I'm not saying that, hey, being a three star recruit's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's bad to stack up with three star recruits. But what I'm saying is that you're South Carolina. You know, if this was six, seven years ago, you're a real contender in the SEC. You're fighting for that conference championship, that division championship, especially every single season. And you're getting recruits, I mean, out of everywhere. And now what is it? You know, they're recruiting Georgia like like crazy, which is nice because Georgia's very talent rich. Uh, they have three recruits out of South Carolina. Uh, I mean, and, and they're really just working the Southeast. You know, you have to have a national span uh, if, if you're going to go anywhere. You know, it's like I said, it's always nice to have Georgia uh, under your belt. It's nice to have Florida, but they only have one recruit out of there. Um, I don't know, man. To me, South Carolina really has to step this up if – if Will Muschamp has any chance of keeping his job for, you know, in the next two seasons, because I'm just not impressed, you know, and usually I have, you know, I'll come back with, well, you know, there's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of commits that they could get. I believe this past season, they only had 21. Uh, I'm not, you know, don't, don't write that down. Don't quote me on it. They're at 16 already. You know, I, I don't know how many more commits they're really going to get. And, Who's to say that the some of the commits that they have right now don't flip? I mean, that they they have commits who've committed, you know, you know, like like every other school has. They've I take it back. They do not have any that have committed uh, over a year ago. All of their commits are from 2020. So I guess good on South Carolina. 
I don't know. I, I don't really see this turning around. Last year they finished 19th overall. Right now they're 36, and I don't really see them going too much further up this list. But, I mean, last year was a lot of Jordan Birch. I mean, that to get that that caliber of a player really helps right. your recruiting class. Yeah. You take Jordan Birch out and replace him with a three-star, that class might not be top 30. Right. So, you know, listen, uh, my biggest thing, I agree with you, this is a eh, recruiting class for me. I mean, South Carolina, I know the state is not loaded with talent when compared to states like Georgia and Florida, but where's the production for this team? Right, they have two commits from the state, and it's number six and number nine in the state. Um, nice. And I know, I know what people are probably thinking, listening, where they're saying Clemson's in that state, um, so they have it locked down. Well, no, they don't. Um, Clemson doesn't have a player from South Carolina, not in the top ten at least. That's crazy. Um, Florida, Florida State, North Carolina, Louisville, Wake Forest all have a top ten recruit, and that's not good when. Players are being poached by states that aren't even neighboring them. I mean, Florida's not neighboring South Carolina. What are you doing? How are you losing them to Louisville? Right. Come on, man. It's just for me for to be at the state school and to not have any not have any of the top five recruits in that state. That's my. I mean, when's the last time Alabama or Auburn didn't have a top five player in the state of Alabama? Uh, never. How about LSU? Well, LSU is different because it's it's only school in the state, but um, that matters. But I mean, oh, that was kind of rude. Let's take Florida. I mean, everyone recruits out of the state of Florida. When's the last time Florida didn't have a top ten recruit from their state? Yeah, I mean, uh, your point. It's been a, been a very minute, but I think Muschamp has shown the ability to steal some five star guys at times, but his time's running out for me. I mean, he needs to turn. This potential, because a lot of these guys are potential players. They're not made five stars. They're just like, hey, I can see them maybe doing this or maybe doing that. He's got to turn that into wins ASAP because, Brandon, losses to Appalachian State at home aren't going to cut it for Muschamp here. No, they don't bode too well. Uh, I, I will remind people that Appalachian State finished in the top 20 this past season, though. Oh no, they they were really, really good. I, and by the <laughs> way, I don't want I don't I don't want to brag. Uh, your boy picked that game. Well, as well, pretty sick, Zach. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry, man. I mean, you won pick six this year, so I did. Uh, you know by by like two or three games, but it's fine. I don't want to talk about it. But um, you know, let's start. Let's look at some of these recruits. I mean, their top recruit in the in uh, their top recruit in the class so far is Trinellius Tatum. Uh, 337th overall recruit, 24th ranked linebacker, uh, outside linebacker out of Jonesboro, Georgia. Um, and listen, I know I started this segment a bit hard on the Gamecocks, but this this gets a huge bright spot for this team for me. Uh, I think he needs to add a bit more weight, but he already has the frame to play linebacker in the SEC. Six two, only about two ten, but I think he can get bigger. And you know, I think more weight will make him even more of a threat off the edge where he can play more of a stand-up buck position in pass rushing situations. And his speed, Brandon, is why I fell in love with this kid. I mean, it's going to make him a serious threat in blitzes, pass coverages. He recorded a 4-6-40. That's really, really good for a linebacker. And some scouts even say he maybe can move to safety depending on the scheme that South Carolina wants to run with him. And dominated the Georgia high school circuit last year and his film, please go watch it guys. He had 90 tackles, 31 tackles for loss and 14 sacks as a linebacker. And this is also junior. And I think his senior year has even more potential than that if they play. And I think Tatum could be a three to four year starter, give them an elite option in the second level of this defense. And it allows the defensive coordinator like Muschamp that likes to disguise, move players around. It allows Muschamp to be more versatile with his scheme because Tatum can play just about anywhere on this defense. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I mean, this kid has a lot of talent. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and move on real quick uh, to something that I like to do every single episode. I guess we both do it. Um, I think my underrated prospect for this uh, segment, and I'm not going to choose a cop-out player like Zach does, like he he tends to do quite often. I'm going to go with the truly underrated player. Uh, the number 868 ranked player in the country, uh, 
according to the composite rankings. Caleb McDowell out of Leesburg, Georgia. Uh, McDowell's a running back, uh, or he was a running back in high school. He played his entire sophomore season, and his junior season, I believe he was hurt for a majority of, so he didn't get a lot of playing time. But in the film that he does have, uh, this kid's so fast. Uh, I mean, he's a running back, so I guess speed isn't like the first thing that you're looking for. But, I mean, he is just outrunning every single uh, member of the defense in almost every single clip I see. Uh, and not and, and really, him as a running back isn't why I picked him as my underrated uh, recruit. I picked him because I saw a lot of film of him returning kicks and punts. Um, and at his size, you know, right now he's 5'10", 175. It's a little bit undersized for a running back. Um, you know, you want to see – you want to see a little bit more uh, weight put onto him, which won't be a problem once he gets to college. You know, I, I think that this kid can put a lot more weight on once he gets to South Carolina. And who knows the last time he weighed in was? You know, he could have already put this weight on. But just watching him as a kick and punt returner, I mean, he he truly has what it has. I, he truly has what he needs. I mean, he, he he finds holes. He goes straight for them. And, I mean, I saw several uh, punt returns and kick returns for touchdowns just in – you know, the film that we get from his sophomore season. So I'm thoroughly impressed with this kid, and that's why he's my underrated prospect. Hey, I like that pick. He was he was one I looked at. I, I didn't cop out this time, man. Um, my underrated prospect is from South Carolina. He's the 803rd ranked player, so a little bit higher than yours, not much. The 118th wide receiver in the country out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, and that's Omega Blake. He's a 6'2", 188, all-around stud at wide receiver. And I think he's the perfect replacement for Brian Edwards, who left for the NFL last year out of uh, South Carolina. He doesn't have a confirmed 40 time, but based on his film, I think he can run a 4-5, a high 4-4 maybe. Um, but I think he's going to have a really, really good – he has elite speed on the field. Now. That's what really matters. Um I think he possesses a great ability to run clean, crisp routes, and that's what allows him to take advantage of DBs in his um, in his division right now in high school. And you don't see a lot of wide receivers possess the route discipline that he does, but I really like what he brings. Um, last season, he had 50 catches, Brandon, over 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns, which made him rank one of the highest wide receivers in his state. And... I really, really like Blake here. I think he brings another dimension to a South Carolina offense, which I think you agree has been pedestrian at best recently. Right. I mean, that's really been holding them back. But they seem to find they seem to have found a quarterback in Ron Holinsky that's going to be the future um, for the Gamecocks. And I think Blake's going to be a huge go-to target when he gets on campus. I think he possesses the perfect combination of speed, footwork, and ball skills, and for me, I really see Blake getting some early playing time at South Carolina. I think he's too fast for linebackers. He has a, he has just enough speed to get behind safeties, and I think his size matches him up well with any DB he faces. So for me, I think Blake is a real key for if Muschamp can keep his job and can he get this offense rolling like we used to see it back in the day when South Carolina was really competing for the SEC. Right, right. But, guys, that is a wrap on this episode. We came a day late. We had uh, so things come up that we got you guys an episode, and we had a lot of breaking news. I know you guys were dying to hear our opinions on it. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys for listening, man. Uh, the Blue Bloods uh, family out there is awesome. Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods. Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. You can find us at our website to thebluebloodspod.com. Find us on YouTube, the Blue Blood CFB podcast. Y'all know all that. Um, but guys, keep subscribing, rate the podcast. We love you guys for that. Um, keep listening. We'll keep dropping episodes. Y'all know how it goes. But for right now, we out.